Hello and welcome back to another instalment of the Away End Show brought to you by the Elite Football Show. I hope you're all having a lovely week so far. We've got a fantastic guest. Glenn from the Total Saints podcast is back with me again. I know we did one earlier in the season and now we're going to be doing a Manchester United versus Southampton preview. Glenn, welcome back. How are you feeling today? Uh, I'm feeling good. It's been it's been a, another normal, boring day at work, um, as in sat in this exact chair that you see me in now, um, just tapping away at a computer because that's what I do. But uh, but no, it's okay. Looking forward to the game, and uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah. My pleasure. And Kieran, my usual co-host, how are you doing today, Kieran? How are you feeling after that four-one victory last night? And are you confident going into the game on the weekend? I'm never confident going into a game with United anymore. We're just that inconsistent. But uh, yeah, it was great to to win last night 4-1. And really, I've been doing the same thing as Glenn has been today, sitting on this chair since 9 o'clock this morning, tapping away at a computer. So it's it's good to be able to talk football. <laughs> Absolutely. Guys, And make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, and also check out the Total Saints pods. It's brilliant. They're doing some great work. They're getting some really, really big key people from inside the club, aren't you, Glenn, from Southampton? Yeah. Who did yeah, you have on recently? Was it the CEO? We've the had we've had the two main guys. We've had uh, Martin Simmons, who's the chairman, and Toby Steele, who's the CEO. So we've been able to talk about the sort of like the financial impact of the, you know, the, the COVID issue. And we've been able to talk about basically, basically anything from um, we, we've had a bit of a shambles with our kit because we we sort of like released the kit and then the sponsor did a runner. So we had to change the kit and get a new spot. So there's been sort of issues on. So we've been talking about things like that. And we've also been talking about, yeah, the, the COVID and the financial issues and also the, the sort of progress we're making and, and transfers and, and things like that. And uh, we get to hear little, uh, little tidbits that we're not allowed to broadcast as well, which is always nice, but um, it kills you sometimes not being able to tell anyone. <laughs> but uh, no, I, but there you go. You got, you got to keep. You got to keep your sources sweet. So uh, yeah. So we uh, absolutely. We're Otherwise, you get cut off. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Let's just jump straight into it, guys. Glenn, I'm going to start with you. Southampton hmm. form. Not long ago, you guys are sitting top of the table for a very, very brief moment. Yes. It's been a really good start to the season. I mean, we we last time we spoke was just after the transfer window, wasn't it? And we were going through some of the signings, and yeah. we were talking about who would make an impact, how high could you finish? And I said to you, look, Southampton are probably my dark horses for the season. I would say very possible to finish in the top eight, possibly, if, if things go your way. I mean, what do you think so far of Southampton's form? Are you happy with what you've seen so far? Yeah, you. if you're a slightly longer in the tooth fan, like I am, um, you, you, you can't fail but be happy with the you know, with the form that we've shown since the first two games of the season. First two games of the season, we, we were ropey. Um, lost to Palace, lost to Tottenham, got hammered by Tottenham. Um, ever since then, we haven't lost a game. Um, and we've we've looked good. We play we play good football and we've, you know, managed to come out on the, the, the right end of results. Even, I mean, the biggest test was Chelsea away and we were, I think we were two behind in that one, two nil behind in that. And we, we got a three, three draw in the last minute. So, We've we've proved to ourselves that we can we can get results against anybody. So and that, that's not just this season. That's also the tail end of last season. With um, ever since the lockdown started, really. So maybe our fans are a problem. Ever since you got the fans out of the stadium, we've been doing all right. But, <laughs> but uh, hopefully we'll be back soon. I can't imagine it's too much uh, to do with that. But uh, no, we're 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 a good team, and and we've you know we've we've managed to. So I know we're going to get on to uh, Danny Ings not being available later, but we, you know, we've managed to so far um, pick up four points from two games where he's not been available. So that's, um, you know, so that's, that's good news seeing as he is our, you know, our main goal scorer and our best player. Yeah, I completely agree. I always enjoy watching Saints play. Kieran will know this. I'm a massive fan of uh, Hassan Hudonai, Kieran. He's yeah. a fantastic manager. Yeah. You know this as well, Glenn. I kept on raving about it. And, you know, Oli's position was potentially under or potentially still, still is under threat, Kieran. But um, what's impressed you about Saints this season, you know, as as a non-Saints fan, as an outsider? Because when I look at the Saints side, I just think they're probably one of the most hardworking teams in the league. And that's the first thing, first thing that stands out to me. And it sort of brings me back to when United played uh, Southampton at Old Trafford after the restart. We were in fantastic form. And the high press just rocked us completely. And I do feel from that day onwards, after... 
Hassan Hussle found a way to play against Man United. I feel like a lot of other teams have followed suit and they've pressed United up high, and that's something we struggle with. So how impressed are you with what Hassan Hussle's done so far and uh, what from what you've seen this season? Yeah, I think he's been one of the more impressive managers that he kind of, when he came in, there wasn't loads of talk around him. But I think ever since that really poor last 9-0, um, you've seen him change. <laughs> you just have to stick that in a little bit. But he... He just changed the way Southampton worked as, as a team. We talk about, because obviously, as United fans, how they were able to affect how we played because we're on such a good run after kind of the restart and things like that. But they play that way against a lot of the bigger sides. Just in kind of watching them, one of the interesting games I saw this year was against Everton because at the time, Everton were that kind of sexy team where they were kind of easily getting these wins and people were like who are everton the dark horses and then southampton dominated them in that game and it yeah. was a very similar tactic that they used against united that they made sure that they put a lot of pressure on at the top when they were pressing but it's not just that you, you press press high because everton tried to do that against southampton in the same game but then as we saw against everton if your whole team isn't able to step up and and do that then there's a problem and you saw Southampton really be able to control that game because once they got past that kind of first line of pressing from Everton, there wasn't the same intensity. The difference against when you play against Southampton, you see that throughout the team. And it's one of those teams that you look at them, they actually work as a team. Not a lot of teams in the Premier League in terms of their defensive structure do that. And it's one of those that it takes time and it has to be drilled into you every single week. And they're one of the more hardworking teams. You see the intensity of their defensive structure, but also that those kind of four attacking players, I know it's a little different with Danny Ings out, but they're able to kind of switch positions on the fly, which is what we like to see at United. And the fact to see that at a team like Southampton, where you don't see it too often with kind of the middle table teams, it's, it's really good to see. So, what Hassan Hudo is doing both in the offensive structure but also defensive structure is one that for me as a fan I like to watch Southampton when if like they're on TV and it wasn't against one of the big teams I'll still watch them because they're a really good team to actually watch and you have to give credit to the manager because he's really instilled some great kind of tactics both offensively and defensively so if they can keep that up there's no reason that they can't kind of be pushing to where we're talking about like seventh, eighth, ninth, because in terms of the players, they played well enough to get there. Absolutely. Glenn, have you got anything to add to that? Because the style of play is so defined, isn't it? You know, with Southampton, the identity is there. And this is something as a United fan, I get a little bit frustrated about what I'm seeing at the moment. You know, Ollie's been in the job two years and I want to see that defined philosophy yeah and something that sometimes i struggle to see and when you're in the job for at least two years you'd expect that wouldn't you so you guys are you you're known really aren't you as as such a high intensity pressing team all action one of the fittest in the league yeah and um most we're not taking teams by surprise anymore because people are used to it i don't know if you saw the game on um on monday night eddie howe was talking about the way the way Saints set up and the way they play. And we played Bournemouth at the end of last season. And 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 he said, you know, we knew they were going to do it, but playing against it was a completely different, you know, it's it's, it's not as easy. You know, you, you, you need to have a plan. You can't just know that Saints are going to play like that. And funnily enough, what Bournemouth did was just launch the ball down the middle. The whole that was their idea of beating the press. They just launched it down the middle, and we've got a six foot seven centre back. It was like, oh yeah, cheers. I'll just add that away all day. Um, so you you have to. I think what we do is we find teams out that are not prepared to do the dirty work. Then you know that as in the stuff that you don't like doing, the running and the covering and the the playing without the ball. Ralph is always talking about work against the ball. And you know, like we sign a player like Theo Walcott, who you wouldn't necessarily think that would be his game, you know, running around everywhere, closing people down. He he's more of a player you think of as a, you know, he's a flair player, you give him the ball and he goes and does his thing. But the thing Ralph wanted to make sure of before we signed him was, okay, there was the sentimental side about him coming back to Saints 30 years after he left or whatever it was. But, um, you know, he wanted to make sure that Walcott had the right attitude and he was prepared to run and he was prepared to work and he was prepared to learn new things at the age of 31. And 
and the, you have it, to be a Saints player these days. You have to buy into the way that Ralph wants us to play. And Kieran was spot on. It is very clearly defined about how he wants each position in the team to work. Um, you know, the the wide players have to be prepared to come inside. They have to be prepared to do a hell of a lot of work going the other way. And and you know, you imagine young players coming up coming up through as a winger. They they're, they're probably mainly focused eighty percent on getting to the byline and getting the ball across. That that's not how we play. And if if that's the way, you know, it's, it's been interesting this year as well, seeing some very young players come in and and play. You know, get minutes. There's a lad called Nathan Teller who's come through the reserves, and and every time you saw him play in the the under twenty threes or whatever, um, up until this year, he was he was really sort of hugging the line. Whereas this year, he's come into the first team squad, and he's he's playing in a completely different way. He's obviously totally bought into the way Ralph wants to play, and and that's the reason he's um he's made progress this year. So we are a very hard working team. Um, we have a bit about us defensively as well because. You know, after that Spurs game, we we haven't let in many goals either. Got a good goalkeeper, settled back four, um, and as long as we keep all those guys on the pitch, um, you know, we, we're we're tough. We're tough for anyone to beat. Well, we both got smashed by Spurs, didn't we? So yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's quite possibly the most painful game I've ever watched. I mean, it was just after that, that I spoke to you. It was just after that. Yeah, I it was. To you, actually. Yeah, because yeah. you spoke about we did speak about Pochettino, but I mean, something I do want to ask you, Glenn, about cause we might as well move on to Danny Ings because you mentioned Theo Walcott. Danny Ings getting mm. injured is is huge because for me, he's emerged as one of the one of the most consistent and one of the best strikers in the league. I, I really do rate him that highly. It was always a worry, wasn't it, when you joined? Because we saw at Liverpool, it was never about ability for Danny Ings. It's always about his knees, really. Yeah. They're both shot. But he's really found found a home, in a sense, you know, at, at Saints. And he's really, really performed. He's improved under, under Ralph. But how much of a loss has he been? And what's the impact of Walcott? Because I'm really su- surprised to see Walcott doing as well as he has been doing. Obviously, he's come up with a few goals. And he seems like he's a, he's reinvigorated. He's a different player again. You know, it went a bit stale from Everton. Yeah, near the end of Arsenal, it wasn't too great. But yeah, talk to me about Ings not being there. How much of an impact has that been? Well, and how good has Theo been? What we, as as I said earlier, we've got four points from two games. Um, I mean, Newcastle at home. I think we could have put me up front, and we still would have won that game because they they were dreadful. Um, but um, he's. He had a choice, you know, Ralph had a couple of choices. He could have put Shane Long up front, which last year would have been what he would have done. Um, Walcott, we thought, came in to cover the wide positions, really. Um, but he's, he's, he's pushed him up front. And against Newcastle, it worked really well. It didn't work so well against Wolves because they're a better team. Um, and they, they, they pressed well in midfield. Um, and they, they, we like to play balls from the, the centre-backs in, you know, along the ground to the strikers with Danny Ings. He's got, apart from all the the goals that he adds, obviously he's got that very intelligent movement, which means there was another target to, you know, to, to pass the ball to Walcott is, hasn't quite got that intelligent movement, but he's got, you know, he's got different things to his game. He's obviously a lot quicker. He's a lot more, you know, he's a lot more direct when he's got the ball. I'm, I'm never entirely sure he knows what he's about to do. Whereas with Danny Ings, you can always see, what he's what he's aiming to do and and that to me is why he's such a good player he's he's just he's just got that in-game intelligence um i mean a, a similar a similar comparison to to united i guess would be cavani against someone like martial um you know I, i'd say i mean i don't know too you know i don't watch too closely it's not my team but cavani seems to well he always used to have that very intelligent movement, very intelligent player, always found space without being the quickest. And even though they're different types of players, in that respect, Danny Ings is the same. Um, so, yeah, Ings has been a huge player for us, you know, for the last year and a half. Um, and we are going to miss him. Um, you know, I've, I've seen a few sort of like commentators say that the goals might dry up for Saints. Um yeah, yeah, they may do, but we've we've still got enough about our with about our forwards. Um, Chay Adams is a massively underrated player as well, and he's he's getting better all the time. So it'll be a handful on uh, whenever the game is Sunday, and um, I assume it'll be Theo Walker up front again. And you know, I I would imagine that Walcott will play against Maguire 
and I would imagine that Adams will play against Lindelof because that seems to be the best matchup as as you know as far as we're concerned because Adams is a bit more physical, a bit stronger, and Walcott is quick, obviously. So yeah, Theo's done Theo's done well. I, I do get a bit tired of the club pushing the homecoming hero bit. I, I get bored with that because he. Like literally, <laughs> he played about ten. He left me as a baby. He left about he? yeah. 16. He, oh, I think I said to you before. My my son, who's now yeah. sixteen and six foot one, was two when um, when Walcott left. So uh, yeah, it's not really a, a lot of our fans won't have ever seen him play the first time round. But uh, no, he he wasn't there for long. Um, yeah, but they are pushing that a little bit. But um, but you know, if he carries on carries on the way he is, and um, then then great news for us. And he he seems to be rejuvenated. I think he's. He's happy. He seems to be happy playing his football. Yeah. And I mean, we had a conversation about Luke Shaw uh, last time where I said, doesn't look happy to me. You know, he just doesn't look like he's enjoying his football. And I think Walcott, it's a it's a big thing for him to come back to Southampton. And he, he seems to be enjoying himself. Kieran's not the uh, the biggest Luke Shaw fan. Let's just put it that way. He, uh, he's, <laughs> he really doesn't like him. So we'll touch on Luke Shaw in a little bit. But uh, Kieran, do you worry a little bit when you hear what Glenn says about the way that Walcott will go on to Maguire and then we've got Che Adams against Lindelof. Lindelof historically struggled against physical strikers and we already know that that centre-back partnership is as slow as anything. I mean, Maguire turns like an ocean liner. Lindelof, I and mean, look, Lindelof's a good footballer. I think Lindelof's the better footballer, but there's real opportunity and scope for Southampton to really exploit United's deficiencies in defence. So, What's, what's your concerns going to the game for United? My concern would be if it's exactly that, where it's a one-on-one -on -one matchup. I don't think United will set up that way because probably for two reasons. They've probably seen that. You probably don't want Che Adams going one-on-one -on -one against Lindelof the same time that Theo Walcott will be going up against Maguire because you have a disadvantage there, both for the pace for Theo Walcott and Maguire and then kind of the strength that... Um, Che Adams would have but again I think that's the reason you'll probably see United have a kind of a defensive structure for two reasons I see you, you might see that is you have to remember is they need to come up with some way to also plan for PSG and one of the best ways to do that is to use a similar tactic in the Premier League where you are coming up against a two striker system because you don't see that that often and look even though PSG you'll see them with the likes of Di Maria, Neymar and Mbappe. The main two players they'll be focused on are Mbappe and Neymar. So what better way to use a similar system than to incorporate against Southampton, who attacking-wise do like to play fluid football? I think that's one way they'll just probably stop have Just stop me there a second, Kieran. I can't believe you're mentioning Neymar and Mbappe in the same <laughs> sentence yeah, as yeah. Miss <laughs> I think it's Glenn, to be honest. Glenn, honestly, the way it is as United fans, Kieran will know this. We went into last night's game. The way it is, we don't know what United are going to do from game no. to game. I'm not no. even kidding. We're going into one game. For example, we last night the result was good, but actually we were very open last night in that yeah. performance. It could have been very different. And then we're going into the Saints game. And this is a game that I'm nervous about. I'm more nervous. Don't even laugh right now. I'm more nervous, Kieran, about this game on the weekend than the one next week against PSG because they're in disarray. And also United play better when they play against the bigger sides, I would say. But these are the games, Glenn, which we always yeah. you know, sort of, uh, I guess, underperform. But, I mean, Kieran, carry on with your sort of assessment because we don't know who United are going to pick either. We're looking yeah. at that midfield. It depends as well who's in the midfield. If it's if it's like, Fred and McTominay, we're not going to be able to pay through that press. Yeah, we probably won't be able to do that. But I guess if you wanted to try and stabilise the kind of the attacking intent that Southampton would have by playing both of those players, that you do give that kind of stability. The main reason why I say this is because really the players that are there are the ones that are going to have to play midweek in the Champions League as well. So Solskjaer has a kind of a job to do where he has to decide who he's going to play because... When you, have, when you only have three days after and you have to go and play against a team it, that has players like we mentioned in Mbappe and Neymar, it's not easy. So I would just say that a similar system is probably most likely to... I'd say Solskjaer would be happy if he can nick a win at the weekend, not have to use too much energy and still have kind of pretty much fresh legs for 
the game during the week. And that's the problem with United right now. They don't have a break for, I think, until January or the end January, of January. Yeah. So yeah. these type of things, you will see United try and play more solidly defensively, probably to try and not kind of exude too much energy in, in the game. But the key will be you're going to have to try and get through that press. If United play the same team they played yesterday, they'll concede goals against Southampton. Now, I guess the only thing they could think of is if Southampton do play with that fluid attacking football, if they make a mistake, United have those attacking players to go and catch them out. And that's why it's it's going to be a very interesting game. That's why you saw it was very even when the two sides played each other after lockdown. Both were yeah. very good on the day. United could have scored plenty of goals. Southampton could have scored plenty of goals. If it's, it, I personally, I hope it is a similar type game where we do see attacking football because both teams have that ability to be able to score. I, yeah, it's it's worrying if it's like we said the one on one matchups where you just have the two strikers coming up to two centre backs. If that happens, United are in big pro will have a lot of big problems because we've seen the deficiencies in both their centre backs and it kind of matches with what the two attackers for Southampton are very good at. So I think that's the biggest worry, but that's why I think the tactics that United put in defensively will kind of show what will happen in this game. I think that's the key kind of matchup that we'll see this weekend. Yeah, some great points. Glenn, I'm going to come to you about Saints' weaknesses. Where where can United exploit uh, some of the weaknesses? Um, we, If you get through the press of the, the front four, um, so the, the two strikers and the, the two wide players, then there is space down the side of the midfield. So we've only got two in midfield, um, and that's James Ward-Prowse and Oriol Romeo. And whilst they've both been excellent, really, all season, against Wolves, I thought maybe it was the international break. Um, Ward-Prowse picked up a slight injury, so he dropped out of the England squad. Um, whether it was down to that, they, they didn't seem 100% on it to me. And Wolves... Wolves lined up with three in midfield and we struggled a little bit in there, I thought, um, more so than we have in in um, in other games. So I think there are, you know, if, if you get through the press, there is space out wide. Um, we, you know, our central defenders on paper are pretty slow. Um, and, the, you know, Vestergaard, who has been superb this season, if you get him turning and running back towards his own goal, it's um, it's not pretty, basically. So, so there there is there is a potential there for United, um, but we seem to be we seem to have the defensive line right now. In the Spurs game, we had it wrong. We were too too far forward and had left half the pitch behind us, and it was just just horrible. Groundhog Day, same goal four times. It was just awful. But um, we seem to have we seem to have got it sorted. So it'll be interesting to see you know what united do um it's interesting your your point about ollie La last season you were playing really well at the end of it you had this sort of 4-3-3 system and it was all about the three lads up front with the pace it was greenwood marshall rashford and this season he's kind of i mean i don't even know really what formation you're playing i i guess it's a sort of 4-2-3-1 at the moment is it yeah 4-2-3-1 at the moment the, the problem with united is that after we also got smashed by spurs He's completely just gone pragmatic naturally after yeah. you get beat. But so now in midfield, our biggest problem is we can't progress from defense to attack. So, for example, we've got the attacking players to hurt any side. I mean, Bruno Fernandes, 34 yeah. goals and assists, you know, goal contributions in 36 games for United. It's world class. You've got Martial, who hasn't hit any form, Rashford, on and off. Our biggest problem is a right winger. We haven't had one because Greenwood hasn't been playing, obviously, with what's been going on. Off, pit, off the pitch and problem is in, in midfield we haven't had Pogba or Van der Beek playing so we've had difficulty creating mm. chances so you could very much see United I mean I think United will sit pretty pretty much in the low block and try and hit Saints on the counter-attack I expect that uh, and I expect Fred McTomney and Bruno so the real I think the real importance is that United Either they go long, which I don't think they'll do, or the second thing they'll do is that Bruno will pick up those pockets of space in between the defence and the midfield, yeah. and then they'll look to exploit that. Uh, is there any players that you're concerned about on United's side? Well, Bruno's the obvious one um, because they seem to have they seem to have found a, a seem to have found a way of playing now where he doesn't doesn't seem to have too much defensive responsibility. 
and he is uh, correct me if I'm wrong there but he, he he seems you know they seem to be focusing mainly on what he can provide at the top end of the pitch because when when I saw United um it was the game they played Brighton away they were very lucky to win um and they did in the end but I think you had Pogba Fernandez and Matic was the midfield three and Brighton were finding all sorts of space because both neither Pogba or Fernandez looked in that game like they particularly fancied running back towards their own goal. And Matic is 108 years old or whatever he is, and he doesn't get about the park too quickly these days. So yeah, it seems legs are gone. the balance was wrong that that day. And I can see, and obviously the Spurs game, which I think was after that, has has told him that he needs the more, you know, the McTominays and the Freds um, in there to sort of. And he's obviously gone for gone for Bruno over Pogba, which I think most people would do. Um, I certainly would. Um, so yeah, Fernandez is a worry. Martial and Rashford on their day, they can kill anyone. So the the last couple of times, um, we've we've handled those two fairly well. But as Kieran was saying earlier in the game at Old Trafford last year, they still found a way to terrify us on at times. So yeah, I mean, you know, United have got some fantastic attacking players, and 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 if they click, then. You know we'll be in, we'll be in for a tough afternoon. Um, but I would, to be honest, I I just hope Cavani's not playing because he's the sort of player that could really give us problems. But I would imagine if they, I I wouldn't imagine him playing in both of these games that you're talking about the PSG game. I think he's more likely to play in the PSG game. Yeah, because, I, I agree because it's that. PSG and you know they they won't want him to play two games in three days or whatever it is. So yeah, no, Glenn. You're pretty much spot on, honestly. I see Kieran's nodding his head down there like a Churchill, like the Churchill dog. But Kieran, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where, where do you think United? Or how do you think United are going to play? Because this is the million-dollar question that even I'm not too sure how we're going to go into this game next week against PSG. United need a draw, so I expect us to be very pragmatic there. I agree with Glenn. I think it would be actually more beneficial for Saints if Cavani didn't play because I think Cavani's movement, we saw that in the box the other day. He's just a clever, old-fashioned number nine, knows his way around the box, knows what runs to make. He lays the ball off very well. 23 out of 24 passes he got completed yesterday, which was a 95% completion rate. He was bringing people into the game and he was just, first thing he did was just go run, run straight towards goal. And that's something United haven't necessarily had under Martial. So do you think that United will be going for Cavani? who will have to wrestle with Vestergaard, who's no no slouch himself. I mean, look at the size of him. Or do you think United might go for a more of a dynamic front three and look to play on the break, I would say? Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. Um, because obviously if Cavani was that little bit younger where you could think he could play game in, game out, it'd be a no-brainer because you just had to look at it yesterday the attack looked a lot more balanced when Cavani was up front because he was able to provide more. He was that focal point, I think, that Solskjaer has been looking for. It's no coincidence that last January Solskjaer wanted Haaland, that it was his main striker option that he wanted. And then because he didn't get him, Martial is gonna, it has to play up front there. I've always said it for me, Martial's not a striker, he's a winger. Um, especially on that left wing, because what he likes to do, even when he plays as a striker, is drift out onto the left, try and dribble past a few players and use the ball on his right. When you have Cavani that's up front, that's kind of taking up some of those spaces in the middle, it gives Martial that little bit more time and space that really he likes, because if he has space against a defender, he can terrorize any defense. We saw that yesterday in the Champions League when he got that bit of space. He's able to dribble in and pass it's no coincidence that when he's gone one-on-one with a defender, he's won a lot of penalties because defenders, they miss the ball and they tend to catch him. So that is one thing that you want. I don't like Martial as that striker option. I prefer to see Cavani or Greenwood because they're more natural strikers. Obviously, Cavani's, I think what separates him is kind of what Glenn said, is those runs he makes are excellent. We saw it yesterday that really, even the second goal, even though it was a mistake by the goalkeeper, it kind of came because of his his movement. You put the defence under pressure. You need someone to do that. I just don't think Martial does it enough. Um, so it depends on whether he wants Cavani to play against PSG from the start. He might not because he might expect 
that we might have to play more counter-attacking against PSG, which means Cavani might not need to play at the start and come on later in the game. So maybe you will see him against Southampton. Personally, I would like him to play against Southampton, but like we said, he only played yesterday. So it just depends on what his fitness is like. If he's fully fit and ready to go, I think you start with Cavani, try and put a bit of pressure on the Southampton defenders early, try and get an early goal. And then maybe you can kind of switch it up later on in the second half if you're trying to catch Southampton. Let's say you're winning at halftime and Southampton have to come on to you. Maybe that's when you have the more dynamic front three that you look for. Maybe you have Rashford, Greenwood and um, Martial front in the second half. So for me, I think I'd start Cavani and see, can you pressurise Southampton early in the game? Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's probably the logical thing to do. I can imagine that United probably won't um but the thing is he's 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 really he's in really good shape you know for a 30 what 33 year old he's he runs all day i think that's what united need i think glenn correct me if i'm wrong but i do feel like although your your defense are comfortable in possession i do feel that if you have someone like cavani terrorizing them all day and chasing everything <clears throat> that is some that is a way that united could possibly exploit saints correct me if i'm wrong because I, I do think you your defenders are good in possession but i do think if there's a bit of pressure on them then that could benefit united i, I think it's the same for any defense and and any and any player you know we, we we highlighted earlier on that when saints pressed united at old trafford that certain players didn't fancy it um you know i could still play now if no one cho- if no one closed me down you know it, it's it's an easy game if you've got loads of space and loads of time so you know, the, the, the one time we, our defenders have looked a little bit dodgy um, recently was when we played Chelsea and Timo Werner is like lightning. Yeah. So yeah. that's a very quick player, but he's also a pretty intelligent player as well. So th- th- there's th- there's a combination somewhere. I mean, you know, none of our defenders could keep up with Martial in a straight line, but it does does he have that in, you know, does he have that intelligence to make to make the right move? What I, What I see from Cavani, uh, I've not. I mean, I remember him playing international games for Uruguay and World Cups and stuff like that. He seems to have. He seems to have both sides of his game. In that he, he maybe not so much now. He, he he probably doesn't run in behind as much now, being the age he is. But he had that movement where he 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 takes defenders out of the defensive line, and then someone else spins in behind. Or you know, he just he just seemed to be a very very clever player. And at the end of the day, he's a better footballer than Martial. If you just look at it, look at it like that, he is more likely to give you more problems. Um to me, Martial and Rashford, they're they're kind of similar. They, they just, that's the way they seem to me. They they both want to play that sort of left hand channel. They don't really want to be a centre forward. I just think United would be a better balanced team with with Cavani in it. And I I just think that would cause not not just us, I think that would cause everybody more problems than what they've been trying to do, you know, whilst Cavani gets up to gets up to full fitness. Yeah, I completely agree with that, uh, Glenn. Kieran, I'm going to come to you first. How do you expect United to line up? This is going to be a really difficult one. Just give me a quick, quick run through of your thoughts on uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's selections. Oh, this is a tough one. Um, I think you you stick with De Gea and Gaal anyway. Um, I think if Wan Basakas fully fit i know he kind of came off in the game um in the game yesterday but i haven't heard if there's been any updates on that so barring injury it's a iron one basaka right back lindelof Maguire, two center backs um and alex tellez at left back so pretty normal defensive um structure there then i think we go with fred and mctominay um as kind of that defensive wall and then you've bruno Martial, Rashford and Cavani that would be my team because you need that kind of balance defensively but also like we've just been mentioning you need that kind of balance going forward in order to kind of put to be a bit more efficient attacking wise not waste as many chances as we have in the Premier League we always talk about we've had chances to score but we don't take them enough and I think by having Cavani in there maybe you have a better kind of balance where Martial and Rashford get better quality chances where they might be able to score. Yeah, I'm going to make one change to that in my prediction. I think that we might see Greenwood start on the right, and I think Cavani won't play. I think Martial will play up top. But Glenn, I want to ask you a quick question because Brandon Williams seems to be linked 
mm. to the Saints. Is there anything in that rumor? Yeah. Because I saw that the other day and I was a bit puzzled. Is that a loan move or is that a a full it, you know a full transfer? It was a we went for a loan move um in the last transfer window. And a, I mean you never know if these things are 100 percent accurate, but apparently the player was keen to come because he didn't think he was going to get a game. Um obviously the Alex Tellers thing was in the was in the works. So he he probably heard about that and he he probably thought he wasn't going to get much of a game. Um and he the player apparently wanted to come um and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer blocked it. So th- this is what I've heard from my end. So Ollie blocked it and he hasn't played for United since until yeah. yesterday. Until last night. He played yeah. 20 minutes because someone got injured. But so he's obviously the third choice left back, the second choice right back at, at best. Um, and that's before you have you still got people like Marcus Rojo? Is he still around? Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if they'd even put him in there in the side ahead of Williams. So I think there, come, there comes a time with the with the young players at the you know at the big clubs where they they've got to make a decision do you want to play two games a season or do you want to play you know maybe 15? I mean, and as it turned out, Ryan Bertrand got injured for us. Um, and he played against Wolves, but he obviously wasn't right. He, you know, he was poor sod. He came back and had to play against the Dama Traore first game. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> facts. <laughs> yeah, know, that, you wouldn't wish uh, on your West enemy, would you? First no, game so, back. You know, so I think, you know, it would have, it, it would have been good. Uh, Williams, I see very much in the same mould as Carl Walker-Peters, who we signed from, from Spurs. He'd been hanging around Spurs for a long time without really playing. He obviously was second, third choice. They kept, buying other players to go in so so yeah i think there was something in it and you know the couple of uh, friends i've got in the media have kind of said that saints may revisit that in in january so we'd have to we'd have to see where it goes i mean i mean i don't know what you guys think i can't i can't see him getting many minutes for united Wambasak is always going to play if he's fit and yeah the thing is i think what united have got a bit of a problem at the moment is that they don't Wambasak is a great defender but going yeah. forward, it's yeah, a real problem for United. It's it's, it's yeah. pretty much non-existent. And this is really hampering United's style. We talk about United not having a right winger, but actually the fullbacks in the modern game are the ones that provide a lot yeah. of the attacking uh, threat and intent. And I think at the moment, that's why when Brandon came on, Kieran, I don't know if you agree with this, but when you came on yesterday, and I'm not, Kieran knows this, I'm not the biggest Brandon Williams fan because I don't like a right-footed left-back. I just, no. it just disrupts the whole, whole way United play. They want their left fullback to overlap. So, when Brandon gets it on his right, that's why I'm a bit puzzled because if he was going to play right back, I can understand. But Kieran, I thought that him, Brandon yesterday played, he looked quite threatening going forward, more than Wan-Bissaka did, put it that way. Yeah, and it doesn't surprise me. I'm just, Again, this kind of goes to my whole thing. I'm not the biggest fan of Luke Shaw. I think Brandon <laughs> Williams is better than Luke Shaw last year. Um, and I think the fact that when he came in and then Luke Shaw came back from that initial injury, he had to up his game a bit. Same thing we've seen with Alex Tellers sure kind of gets coming in this year. It's that once Brandon came in, but the problem is if we sold Brandon or even if we put him out on loan, if the, really the only other option at right back other than Wan-Bissaka is Ethan Laird and he's great, but he's got a, he's been getting a lot of injuries as well. And with the amount of games that United have to play, eventually Brandon will get to play some games. And right now, I think the club probably wants him to stick around the first team. And they probably think that that's where he'll kind of develop. Now, I'm not 100% sure on it. I think Brandon's well capable of playing for a Premier League team. There's There's no doubt in my mind. He's a very, very good player. And it just depends on kind of what, where is he in Solskjaer's plans? Is it going to be when we play five at the, at the back? Maybe he puts Wan-Bissaka more central and puts Brandon out wide. We've seen that. We've seen him play that way before. So again, I know it's early on in the season. We haven't seen him a lot, but United are still in every single competition that's that's out there. So I think there will be games. But again, if he goes to Southampton on loan in January, it's only good for both clubs anyway, because at least you're getting Brandon getting more experience. Yeah. I just think it's the lack of kind of other options if Wambasaka did get injured and that would leave United in yeah. a bit of an issue there at right back. If he did come to us, he would be he would be first choice back up for both positions. 
you know, left. But he wouldn't he wouldn't walk into the team ahead of Bertrand or or Walker Peters. Yeah. But I he, think that's the problem. Yeah, he he would he would certainly get games. Um, I mean, I mean, unlike United, Saints are out of every competition already. So uh, we we retired from the the League Cup really early, lost to Brentford. So um, yeah, so we're only playing one game a week. I mean, obviously this month is a bit different, but so you know we maybe won't get as affected by needing to rest players or rotate players as as other clubs. Um, has he got um? This, William's got a contract situation. He got a brand new contract. Yeah, he's got a oh, day he? a week. Oh, right. Oh, fair play. Yeah. Fair play. I, I thought he was out of contract this season. Or 65 grand but, uh... a week, which is, again, look, he's a talented player, but this is this is what <laughs> a lot of issues stem for United. I mean, he played half a season and he's on 65 grand a week. I mean, what's your highest earning? I'm more than 100 grand a week, so I'm not going to complain about Brandon Williams on 65. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's I, crazy, uh... mate. I, I, yeah, it is crazy. I mean, our, our highest earner, I mean, you, you're never entirely sure if you're accurate when you're talking about wages, but we made a bit of a cock up a few years ago in that I think we thought Fraser Forster was going to be the target of, I think Chelsea were looking at him and, and you know, Chelsea sign a new keeper every year, don't they? But um, <laughs> I think, and so we, even though he he had two years left on his contract, we gave him a new contract. And then his form fell off a cliff, like literally. And he's hardly played since. He's been up to Scotland for a couple of seasons, but he's hardly played since. So rumour has it that he's our, our highest paid player. But, you know, um, we're led to believe Danny Ings is negotiating a new contract at the moment. So I imagine that will change. But, yeah, I mean, I mean this this is what Saints have done over the last... We're getting it right now, but we, we did have a sort of two, three-year period where we signed players on ridiculous wages who didn't work out, and then we haven't been able to get rid of them, and it's it's kind of hamstrung us in the uh, in the transfer market. But, we had uh, this discussion hopefully, last time, Yeah, we, we did. Hopefully, yeah, it's we, come, we're coming to the end of that cycle now. But yeah, that's your question. Problem, I think it's Fraser Forster. It's Fraser Forster, wow. But yeah. no, Glenn, let's get your view on your expected lineup on the weekend. because I can... Well, but unless there's an injury that we don't know about, um, it'll be Alex McCarthy in goal, who, as anyone who saw the game on Monday will will say, he should be in the England squad ahead of your reserve keeper, um, which, I, you know, he's not playing at the end of the day, doesn't matter how good he is. Um, you know, McCarthy, you, you could make an argument at the moment that he's the most informed English goalkeeper. Um he he's he's been excellent he's got a lot better with his feet as well which is a you know that's become a thing that uh, he's had to do this year with the way with the way we set up um right back will be walker peters two center backs will be jan bednarek and yannick vestergaard left back will be ryan bertrand um two in midfield will be james ward prowse and oriel romeo um, and then the, the two wide players will be stuart armstrong on the right who's excellent going forward but does tend to overplay a little bit. Um, uh, the goal we let in against Wolves was was as a result of him trying to beat a third player after he'd beaten two, and um, that kind of set in motion the whole thing that led to the uh, the Wolves equaliser. So he'll be on the right hand side. Left hand side is where there is a choice. Um, it'll be Nathan Redmond or Musa Gineppo. Um Gineppo is he's unpredictable. Um, he. He does, he does some amazing things, but he equally um, is responsible for some of the defensive hilarity that that we see. I mean, he was he was trying to help out against Traore on uh, Monday, and it was hilarious because it was like it was like a it's like a bit of straw in the wind as Traore uh, <laughs> went past. He kind of. He, he, got, he got absolutely the ball three or four times and he's, he's put in from the remnants of hilarity in his game. It reminds you sometimes that football is a game and you shouldn't take it totally seriously. He's, he's, <laughs> yes. he's hilarious. It's like the tail ender at cricket being asked to bat against someone who bowls at 100 miles an hour. You know, it's just not, he can't That's defend. Brilliant. But but he tries. So it, yeah, but he tries. He'll be on the left-hand side unless Redmond makes a, makes a recovery from the small knock he's got and it'll be Walcott and, and Ings up front. And then, um, yeah, and when, the, when, when they've, uh, 
usually Walcott when he's when he's run out of uh, run out of puff. Then we'll we'll bring on uh, we'll bring on Shane Long to try and control the ball with his knees like he normally does. What I said, I saw that they said that Walcott had gone something like three thousand days between Saints goals. I think Shane Long can actually beat that, and he's been here the whole time. Gosh, Shane Long used to play at. Uh... Reading. Play at Reading, my local club, and uh, yeah, he was he was pretty good then. And then he obviously he went to yeah. he went to Hull, didn't he? And well, he's gone everywhere. I don't know. I can't even remember now. But I didn't. I forgot he was still at Saints. Shane Long. Yeah, he he did well last season. To be fair, and he got himself a new two year contract. But he he came into the team when Che Adams was struggling last year, and he did pretty well. To be fair, um, and you know, to be fair to him now, he's not in the squad. Sorry, he's not in the side, so he he doesn't play that often. And it's it's very difficult when you're the go on for ten minutes at the end. So you, you can see he's the sort of player that if he's not playing regularly, he doesn't do as much, as well when he does play. And I think you know that's that's probably true of a lot of players, but it, it does seem to particularly affect him. Um, we've got a we've got a youngster who's coming through, a, a lad called Dan and Lundaloo, who's a he's a he's a bit of a throwback, big striker. Sort of, he looks about six foot two, six foot three. He I'm expecting him to start getting some minutes soon. So it will be interesting to see if um if he's given the last 10 minutes as opposed to to Shane Long cuz he'll he'll you know he he looked good in the one game he's come on so hopefully um hopefully it's another one that uh, can cause a few problems for teams if he if he does come on. Absolutely. Kieran, I feel like you want to say something about Shane Long. Does he play for, he plays for Ireland, doesn't he? Plays is kind of a exaggeration <laughs> to be honest uh yeah no it's just when you mentioned reading how i remember shane long and kevin doyle both oh, up front yeah. for each other that's when Delphi Sigurdsson as well mate yeah Back very 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 good that was wasn't it the year that reading got i think the most amount of points in the championship or something like yeah. that it was yeah ridiculous. that's right I'm pretty sure they're top right now or, or at least near the top of the championship which has absolutely shocked me yeah <laughs> they I think they were. They, I think they won their first six games or something, and they've yeah. they've lost the last few, so they've gone down to about fifth place now. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, interesting club, Reading. It's a strange place to go and watch a game. But uh, it's, yeah. uh, it's very family club, isn't it? You go there and you're just like, there's just not no atmosphere. But guys, let's move on to prediction. Oh god, I hate this. I hate this time. I don't know. I don't know what to say about this about United because you know we could turn up and we could have a very comfortable victory, or it could be a really difficult day for us. I'm going to go safe. I'm going to say a one-one draw because I think the United are going to be pragmatic to say the least and i think we'll look to catch saints on the uh on the break glenn what is your prediction um, are you confident going to it? i i still feel um that you know when you play manchester united and you're you're southampton anything is a bonus for us um if united underestimate us we will beat you um if you don't work as hard as us we will probably beat you um you you know, you you've got the better individual players, I would say, but you know they have to have the right attitude. So, add all that up, I think I think we're on for a for quite an entertaining draw. Um, you know, a two-two draw, I'd be quite happy with that. Yeah, that's very possible. Kieran, do you agree with us? A draw? Yeah, I, I think it's it's going to be an entertaining game. And just to go a little bit different, I'll say. Maybe we might be able to be a little bit more solid defensively, and I'll go with a two-one win for for United. But I do think it's probably more likely to be one of those entertaining draws, like we saw with Southampton and Chelsea early on in the season. So I think yeah. hopefully it'll be good attacking football, and we won't be watching paint dry on Sunday afternoon. Haven't you oh, won God, every? God. You've won every away league game this year, man. You won all, I know you haven't played that many, but I, I mean, I had a quick look. You beat Everton, beat Newcastle, beat Brighton. Yeah, yeah, yeah away form's been really good. Won, home form's yeah. been shocking. Yeah, yeah, you've won every away game so far. So, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough one for going. us. But, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just about picking up consistency, isn't it? I, my f- phrase that I've coined, Glenn, and I always say it on my podcast, don't I, Kieran? We're consistently inconsistent. This main night side can go and look and can go and beat PSG away. But then we can very easily go and lose to Palace at home. So yeah. it's just it's a bit of potluck. But you know we've got enough talent there. Glenn, thank you very much. Where can all the listeners catch your great podcast that you're on? 
Uh, Total Saints podcast. If we're all over the place, um, you can find it on Spotify. You can find it on SoundCloud. Um, just we've got a website as well, um, totalsaintspodcast.co.uk, I believe. Just Google it, and you'll find us on there. Um, yeah, it's all over all over Twitter as well. So you can uh, you can find us easy enough on there. Just uh, yeah, just uh, type the three words that are next to my name, and uh, and you'll you'll find us, no doubt. Absolutely. Brilliant. Thank you for coming on. You've been a great guest as always. And no, Kieran, thank you for coming on. And we've got another another tough couple of games. What is your feeling? Last question I'm going to ask you. Your feeling towards United against PSG? I have no idea. <laughs> like you said. <laughs> I'm like asking you said. this question because I'll ask you this question because of what you tweeted yesterday. What did I say yesterday? <laughs> the nil-nil. You want to play for the nil-nil? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm exposing you, basically. I was saying it yesterday. Based on, play for a draw. No, based on what would work for both teams. Because if they both draw, they basically both get through. And Tuchel basically said that maybe he might have to play a lot deeper against United. I'm like, well, I can see United playing deep as well. So if that happens, not much is going to happen in that game. It's pretty much like Chelsea United all over again. But... uh yeah, no, I, look, who who knows what happens in any United game. Some games were brilliant, other games were terrible. So let's just hope for kind of somewhere in the middle that it's pretty entertaining for the next couple of weeks because there's some amount of games that are going to be kicking off. It's like the Christmas period in about two months. That's, that's what it's like for yeah. us now. So I think, like you said, I think we have like two or three games a week every single week until maybe the start of February. So... It's a lot of football, but again, I'd prefer that than what we had to go through during lockdown where we had no football. So I tried to expose you there to all listeners uh, just by saying that you wanted us to get a draw, but you've just talked you out of it. So nah, it didn't work that at all. No, nah, it doesn't <laughs> work that way. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. He's too smart. But Glenn, thank you again for coming on. Thank you, Kieran. And to all the listeners, make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. As you can see in the lovely graphic in the bottom right-hand corner, you can also find us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, Twitter as well, and on Instagram. Thank you for listening, and we will see you.